Hello, we are on Crooked Lake at Independence Oaks Park in Clarkston, Michigan. It's a beautiful summer day. The sun is just behind the clouds, which is kind of perfect. Don't have to worry as much about my pale, pale skin. You might hear a little splashing. I'm in my kayak. That was not purposeful. I'm just trying to get away from some lily pads. But this seemed like the perfect spot to do the introduction to this episode. This is kind of a meditative state for me. Just being out here, looking at nature, listening to nature. You can hear the birds in the background. The little handle on the back of my kayak is bouncing against the boat with the waves little fish and turtles. I'm looking at hawks just gliding through the air at a height that I can't comprehend right now. And it's beautiful. It's peaceful. Um, I'm at an advantage too where this lake is not near any roads and there's no motorized vehicles allowed on it. So it's always like this. And this is, this is my happy place. So let me get out of these lily pads, find some cute little turtles to take some pictures of, and let's get into the episode. You and I have lots in common, my request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? Meditation is the thing we are discussing today, and I am here for it. After doing a bunch of research, uh, you know me and my peer-reviewed journals, I am blown away by the tangible and accredited research that has been done on the topic of meditation and the benefits of the practice. Now, whether you're a stereotype of a man in a gym lifting weights and thinking, I don't do that meditation crap, man. <laughs> I don't know who that was. Or uh, I don't know, you're a hippie in a yoga studio who tuned into this to learn things you may already know. I think we've got a little something for everybody. And the benefits are literally undeniable. Our first roadblock that we have to overcome, though, is what meditation is. I'm sure there are a lot of people conjuring up a lot of different pictures in their mind right now. Maybe it's someone sitting cross-legged on a rug and humming to themselves. Or maybe a man bent over and violently chanting gibberish. Or maybe it's just Chris Farley in Beverly Hills Ninja. Or Michael Scott in The Office when he gives Stanley a heart attack. Um, my God, if you're wearing a dress, please keep your knees together. Nobody wants to see that. Um, sorry, Meredith. Whatever you're thinking of, the good news is you might be right. The bad news is you might be wrong. The weird news is both can be true, depending on how you personally define meditation. There are countless different ways to meditate. So let's start with the definition that we can use as a baseline, and we'll dip our toes into some more specific types of meditation that are more popular and well-known. We're also going to discuss some of the studies that have been done that have shown that a regular meditation practice lowers nervousness and stress and raises quality of life, the ability to adopt a healthy lifestyle, the ability to relax, and makes you more productive in your daily tasks. Some intense forms of meditation have even shown to reduce inflammation and raise antiviral and antibody components in the body, which is just nuts. So what is meditation? Meditation, simply put, is turning your attention inward. 
Now, the basis of this could be spiritual, reflective, contemplative, or all the above. But in general, you're turning your attention inward. You're focusing on the internal. With that, there are a lot of misconceptions about what qualifies and what you should or shouldn't be thinking. Let's get those out of the way now. One of the common misconceptions is that it's the silence that is actually um, doing that's like the, what the benefit is. And this is why I think people get frustrated with it because they're like, I can't do it. So I'm Stacy Geisel. I, I'm the owner of Evolve Beyond Limits, which is a human design company. Actually, what you're doing in certain meditations is that you're rewiring your brain to be able to stay in the present moment. This is where people end up quitting before they even get started. The present moment is almost looked at as a waste of time in our current society. We are raised and conditioned to chase the next big thing. So if you're not looking into the future and planning, then you're standing still. And somewhere along the way, we were told that standing still is a bad thing. Now, being present in the moment is super powerful. You'll never experience joy, love, excitement, sadness, or any other emotion in a fully immersive way if you can't be present for those moments when they happen. If you're like me, maybe it's not the future you're focusing on all the time, but the past. I, for one, am very introspective, and in my journey to discover the whys in my behaviors and actions, I often reflect on the past. This can also be detrimental to experiencing the present moment, as you always have a cloudy old lens on what you're seeing and experiencing. Now, another side effect of constantly thinking about the future and the past is anxiety. The antidote to anxiety is to stay in the present moment. Because if we're not thinking about the past or the future, there's no reason to worry, right? Because we're just here. And that's one of the big things with meditation. But to learn to teach your brain how to do that, it's actually when you're in a meditation and you start to think about something and you're able to notice it and pull yourself back, it's in that pulling yourself back that the brain is starting to rewire. So the more you notice your thoughts and bring them back is actually where the 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 benefit is happening, not so much in the being able to sit there in total silence like, and not think about anything ever. This is very important to keep in mind. A lot of people I talk to think that meditation is keeping your mind clear and quiet and empty, but that's not how minds work, right? There are constant thoughts that come and go, and we experience this throughout the entire day. Our brains are actively scanning everything around us at all times, smells, sights, sounds, feelings, taste. So no matter what you're doing or focusing on or talking about, your brain is throwing things at you in a constant stream of memories and ideas and feelings, both emotional and physical. Aaron talks more about this, and if you remember, we caught up with Aaron on his drive to the Dharma Zen Center, where he's an instructor. My name is Aaron Kozad, professional chef. Uh, additionally, I am a Zen teacher at Dharma Gate Zen in Troy, and that, that's where the, the seated meditation comes into play, like learning to control, focus the mind, watch how it arises, and uh, learn how it works, right? We, we all have this sort of automatic programming through evolution to keep us sort of alive and then through our upbringing in our society and these things fire off automatically really without us knowing and through samatha meditation which is single pointed focus meditation you can start to watch the mind arise and recognize its auto programming and then sort of become a, a hacker and reprogram your own brain then you can start to learn to let thoughts pass Aaron brings up one of the first types of meditation I want to mention. Samatha, or single-pointed focus meditation, is a little contrary to what we usually conjure in our minds when we think of meditation because it involves keeping our eyes open. 
This may seem counterintuitive to turning your mind inward because you're focusing on a single point visually and externally. But with that single point of focus, you allow your mind to wander because you're not taking in all of what is around you, but instead focusing on one single point. Like Aaron mentioned, this is when your mind will start to interrupt you with those thoughts. And the practice of meditation is learning to acknowledge those thoughts and let them pass. This can be the barrier for a lot of people. They want to get to the silence because they think the silence is the goal. But what you're actually doing on your way to the silence is rewiring your brain to be able to take pause in the real world. I think Aaron actually explains this a lot better. Right, yeah. Like, during the meditation time, they'll be there, you know? And, and the other thing you can do is kind of note the type of thought and let it pass. Like, if it's a uh, past or future or memory or plan, like, sometimes that's helpful because you're like, okay, that's a memory, and then you let it go past. Or I'm planning something and you let it go past. And then you start to you start to see what where you live. Like I often live in the future. I don't really think about the past very much, but I'm constantly planning. The other thing is, you know, I think people are like, well, but what about you know during meditation I can learn stuff about my programming, right? That I want to change. So after meditation, it's good to have like a journal, and you write down at the end kind of some overlying themes that you can then sit in reflection about and then figure out where they came from, but you don't want to do it during the meditation period. You, you can uncover a lot of, you know, a lot of like unhealthy patterns that you have with people. And then what's helpful about that is when you see that pattern in meditation and the more you do this, you start to see the mind arise in normal everyday life. So now you might be interacting with this person that always does some specific thing and that specific thing always sends you to this place and then it, you know you know already know how it's going to play out so then you're in real life and they do it and you now have a pause and that pause is kind of the superpower of meditative practice where you can decide i'm gonna do the unhealthy thing that never ends up the way i want it to or i'm gonna do the opposite and try to see if i can steer this in another direction or i'm gonna do nothing and you start to realize, like, you don't, you don't even have to actually do anything. Most of the time, the best option is nothing. And then the, it sort of changes these, these patterns. And you'll notice people saying, like, oh, you're, you know, you're a lot more calm. It's like, no, I'm just not saying what, what I want. <laughs> but it's working out better. And, and then ultimately, you start to see your own, you know, the stuff you want to change. You know, and a lot of the time, you're 50% of that equation. This may be the most beneficial way to meditate, in my opinion. Uh, it's like therapy for yourself, right? Keeping a journal of what comes up as you meditate is a long-term practice that, as Aaron mentions, is incredibly helpful to your everyday life over time. At first, you might just notice you write down small, mundane stuff, like, did I remember to turn off the coffee maker? Or, I wonder what my brother's doing. Or, why are brown bears brown and black bears black, but polar bears are white? Shouldn't they be called white bears? Is that racist? Whatever your thoughts are, as you begin to track them in a regular practice, you can uncover those patterns of future thinking or past thinking and begin to reframe things in how you approach them and gain more clarity during these times. Going back to what Aaron said too, I love the idea of finding that pause. I've done a lot of therapy and reflection and work to find that pause. 
The difference in responding instead of reacting in your everyday life is like the difference between having happy and healthy relationships and surrounding yourself with toxicity. Meditation is what teaches you to have that pause, that pause in who and you don't even know. Here's the thing. This is what's so tough about meditation. This is what's so tough about the inner work. All this stuff is that you don't even know it's working until you get put into a situation and you all of a sudden handle it very different than you would in the past. And then you're like, oh my gosh. But it's like this trust that what you're doing matters and giving yourself that time is going to at some point benefit you. But we like, I mean, Amazon Prime now just like gets us things in two hours. So like we are such a I want it now culture that it's tough for somebody to do something if they're not seeing this benefit within seconds. Speaking of our quick change culture, let's move on. I want to talk about what is probably the most common form of meditation right now, and that's guided meditation. Now, this can be on any number of subjects with any number of goals. The nice thing about this form of meditation, though, is especially for beginners, it gives you something to listen to. You can focus on the voice that is guiding your meditation and between sentences or suggestions, you can focus on your breath. Erica, my wife and I, we do guided meditation every single night. Ours is a sleep meditation. And this is obviously meant to help us relax and welcome in sleep. And if it goes well, we're usually snoozing heavy before it's even over. I love you, Julie. See bet. And we're not alone in sleeping meditations. With the rise in meditation apps like Simple Habit and Calm and 10%, guided meditations, especially sleep meditations, are incredibly popular. Here's Stacy again. Where meditation actually changed my life was I was running two businesses and I could not sleep. Like I had a hard time falling asleep. I couldn't stay asleep. Like it was so cause, and I was somebody who used to be able to sleep. So I was like, what is going on? And I started using a meditation at night specifically, and it completely shifted my ability to like let go of what was going on. My husband, Andrew, asked me to create a sleep meditation. So I did. And it was so funny because in it, I talk about how you're you like we're putting all of your thoughts into like a box, you know, and the next day I was like, did you get through the whole meditation? He's like, no, I just got to the apparently I just needed a box to put my thoughts in. <laughs> it was really funny, but it, you know, it works different for everybody. But sleep is one of the big ones. I actually do a lot of guided meditations, guided visualizations. I think people really love them because they they take you on a journey like I'm taking you on a journey to learn to really connect with your soul and learn something about yourself that might not have been able to pull, be pulled out in any other way. And so that's where, you know, I, I do a lot of those type of meditations. One, because they just, they come to me. I like to, I would say I create them, but it's kind of a mix. <laughs> it's like a co-creation. I don't know. It's fun. Like it's fun. And I think if people can immediately find the benefit in meditation, then they might be a little more drawn to it. <laughs> So we've talked about single-pointed focus meditation and guided meditation, but let's mention a couple others that you may have heard of. First, there's mantra meditation, which you may know as some form of repetition of a phrase or a word, but it's not like Stuart Smalley talking to a mirror, you know, it's not, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. It's a, it's a little more in-depth than that. So there's mantra meditation, um, very powerful, because if you can come, and not like a mantra like, 
I am great. I am great. Like, go. there's actually different ones, and they're actually in Sanskrit. And the reason that they're mantras is because they have a certain vibration. And when you say them, the vibration, it impacts your cellular structure. And so every time you say it, you're like having these impacts. Plus, if you're saying a mantra, it's hard to think about anything else. You're all in on that, right? And so, and really the point behind mantra meditation is that you do it when you're meditating, but also as you go through your day, when you find yourself floating into, let's say we're future tripping, we can come back to the mantra and pull ourselves back to that like present moment. So it's just about learning how to focus in on your attention on one thing. This is something you usually work with a mentor or teacher on starting. I won't pretend to know how to get your mantra, but I don't believe people are supposed to come up with them on their own. I think they're assigned them by their energy or something like that. Either way, it feels a little more advanced and intense, but if it speaks to you, I mean, by all means, try it out. The last form of meditation uh, is perhaps the most advanced as well. This is famous among celebrity circles and its benefits have been studied and documented and you actually have to take specific courses to even learn how to do this. And it ain't cheap, neither, of course, right? Uh, (laughs) I am talking about Transcendental Meditation. Transcendental Meditation, or TM to those in the know, is an ancient Vedic tradition that was made available to the general population by Yogi Maharishi Mahesh in the 1950s. Within 20 years of it spreading around the world, the effects of this form of meditation on the physical health of its practitioners began to be studied, and in recent years, some of the findings are fucking nuts. One such study, published last year in the Journal of Medicina, titled Transcriptomics of Long-Term Meditation Practice, Evidence for Prevention or Reversal of Stress Effects Harmful to Health, long title, showed astounding results and notated some pretty remarkable results from previous studies. First... And this is nuts. I just preface that again. First, they showed that those who practice TM twice daily over the span of 38 years, so this is a lifetime of meditation, but they were able to downregulate all 49 genes associated with inflammation. And the genes associated with antibodies and antiviral components of the body's defense system were all upregulated. In addition to those physical changes, they saw a reduction in anxiety, uh, PTSD, cardiovascular disease, and other chronic diseases. Just just pause here for a second. As someone who has an inflammatory autoimmune disease, this is huge news. It's also literal proof that the mind is powerful enough to alter the body. There's even evidence that transcendental meditation has been able to decrease or reverse the effects of the epigenetic clock, which is essentially like a biomarker that scientists use to measure aging in the body. So literally reverse aging. I mean, I don't think you can meditate your way back to being a teenager or anything, but that's pretty fucking nuts. And if TM is too hardcore or too expensive or not accessible, that's okay, because all of the previously mentioned versions of meditation, and really any form of mindfulness that turns your attention inward, is proven to produce positive results when done with some regularity. This includes positive mental health outcomes, less stress, and like I mentioned before, reduced anxiety and a better ability to relax and live healthier. In that way, if we're combining episodes, you know, if you're struggling to get a good exercise routine in place, try meditating on it. Since meditation is proven to help you adopt a healthier lifestyle, likely by being more in tune with your body and mindful in your decisions, it can be a helpful tool for nudging you in the right direction.
I want to thank Stacy Geisel and Aaron Kozad for their expertise on this episode and the others they were featured on. I also want to thank Talia Dalton for the theme song and all of my Patreon supporters for helping keep the show going. If you would like to become a Patreon supporter or be an active player in keeping the show afloat, head over to patreon.com slash friendrequestpod. It's about a dollar a month and you get access to exclusive bonus stuff like lost episodes and some of the transcripts to this summer series. So thank you guys so much for listening. I am loving these episodes so much and I am excited to keep bringing you more as the summer rolls on. We have some more familiar voices, some new ones, a couple therapists. The possibilities are endless. So I'll talk to you guys next week. I love you. Bye-bye.